0: How's it going folks how's it going i'm brother matthew and this is christian coffee time where we sit down together to study the word of god and here we are back at it again so good morning folks good morning how's it going thanks for joining in and uh yeah so grab your bibles and join me in turning to the gospel of matthew chapter 26. While you're turning to Matthew 26, also just FYI, uh praise the Lord, uh, we fixed the camera. <laughs> so uh, uh we're able to figure out how to get into the settings and into the camera settings, and we're able to disable the autofocus thing. So every time i would move the camera would try to focus and it's almost like it's pulsing or something as it's constantly trying to adjust so we disabled the autofocus thing so it should be a lot more stable looking and uh, a lot nicer so it was getting annoying just the constant adjusting anytime i move it would just uh it got really annoying so praise the lord we got that fixed <laughs> all right So grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, everything else you got, and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26. Alright, good morning, good morning. How's it going? Morning, Jesse? Morning, Minna. How's it going? Alright. So, in Matthew... Yeah, chapter 26, verse 1. We see Jesus wraps up here what he's talking about with his disciples, as we see um, in verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings. So to back up, go again over it, just, just a quick just summarization. You see the disciples are asking him about the end of days. And what was it that Jesus was actually emphasizing on? He didn't really go into great detail he told them, you know there's things will happen some of these things will happen but the most important point that he got across to them was do not be deceived let no man deceive you that's about deception the the importance of uh being mindful of what's going on so you don't get deceived you want to take everything back to the word of god as i've already told you amen jesse's on the ball here gold star don't be deceived. As we see uh, about this now, how do we protect ourselves? And the point here that that we see as Jesus leaves with us as well in uh, chapter 20, uh, twenty-five, where about the parable of the ten virgins, the talents, and uh, the people standing before the Lord and regarding works, what is actually being said here? Because people do get deceived, like the the foolish virgins, they were deceived. They thought they had time and they, they didn't have to take it seriously. And they thought that they could just uh, uh, gain it from, from other other sources instead of going to the primary source for the oil. So we see going to other things, other people, deception there. And we see uh, the parable of the talents, the, the wicked servant who took the talent that he was given and he buried it in the earth. The deception that we see in this as well, His own feelings, his own opinions, what he thought, and he was arguing with the master. Then we see the people about their works. They were deceived into thinking that because they did enough good works and did good things, that that, uh, the Lord is going to weigh that and would let them in because, look what I've done, look what I've done, look what I've done, Matthew chapter 7. So we see there's great deception. And as Jesus warns, a great deception will come by false prophets, false apostles, deceitful workers, false Christs all kinds of things that come along and we can deceive our own selves by going by our own feelings and opinions catechisms creeds commentaries dreams visions all kinds of sources all kinds of things that could come along to deceive us and deception doesn't have to be even on great big scales But even on literal things, uh, uh, minor doctrines, secondary points and things, deceived about things, instead of going to the Word of God and the Word of God alone, what it says, what it means. We need to examine uh, uh, our faith, examine the details of our faith, the things that we believe in. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you not believe in certain things? Why do you you believe in these things? Examine them and bring it all to the Word of God. The Word of God is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. And uh, it is the sieve that we put everything through. It doesn't matter what it is. Nothing is exempt from from being uh, scrutinized by Scripture. So, in this we see... um, uh, the point that uh, Jesus is making about deception, the importance of proper Biblical knowledge, uh, proper grasp on the faith, the doctrines of the faith. And again, this is also why we try to emphasize on the three points, the three points of the Christian faith, three points of Bible study, interpretation, application, demonstration, the what, the how, the why, learning how to read the context, the narrative of the text, what it says, what it means. Um, there's a lot of people will cherry pick verses, they'll take this bit, this part, and they'll read through, and then the, well, well that verse says this, and then they forget what they read. and then they're wondering,, well, what does that mean? But but if you actually back up, read it in the whole context, the whole narrative, it makes sense. So learning how to read full context. And learning what is going on what is being said the basic narrative of the text and then we back up again go over it slowly taking a look at the how how is it being said the specific words and the pictures and the images and also the word studies and uh uh, what what do each of these words actually mean in the the greek and the hebrew how can i pair what i'm reading with the rest of the word of god so line upon line precept upon precept scripture with scripture so learning how to study not just read but study the word of god so we got the what the how and why is this important the why is demonstration to go to now live it speak it think it do it now put it into practice show it unto others go and do that likewise so there we go so with that let's get down to business So grab your Bibles, notepads and pens, grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, whatever it is you're having. Come join us at the table as we continue the study of the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 26. So verse 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he says to his disciples, uh, Now remember the, the scene here. Remember the scene here jesus is st- standing up and then he's talking to all the people and there's a crowd there's a great crowd here and then you got the pharisees and the sadducees and all, and all those guys and the apostles a ton of people are all around he finishes talking and all these things he said was in front of everybody and uh, uh we see uh, that people are all around milling around but uh, not everything is applying to everybody that's around you got to pay attention sometimes uh we see this like, for example, the, what was it the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke that to his disciples, not to the crowd, not to the crowd. So uh, we got to pay attention to what's going on, what is actually made as a public narrative and what is a private narrative so for example we see here he spoke spake unto his disciples so there's people all around and these being followed and hounded by the pharisees and the sadducees they're always there they're always around always scrutinizing always grilling them always just just watching them carefully like a hawk what is he doing So, they're looking for something they can fault find and blame other people always milling around always following him it wasn't just his disciples that followed him People of all kinds would always be following him around as well. So there's all kinds of people about. So he turns and he says to his disciples, so whether he was whispering or he spoke quietly, we don't know. But he turns and he says to his disciples, verse 2, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. What a thing to say. But how many times has he said this how many times has he spoken to his disciples and told them about how this is why i've come this is the purpose this is the point of what's going to happen how many times has he told them i was going to be betrayed and put to death and rise again multiple 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 times and yet here we see another one the son of man is betrayed to be crucified has he been betrayed yet no no, not yet. Son of man is betrayed to be crucified. That, that This is coming up. This is what's going to happen. Well, how does he know? How does he know he's going to be betrayed in this way? Well, he's, this again is a proof of deity. Who else knows the future? Who else knows the future? The son of man is betrayed to be crucified. So again, as God is not the author of confusion. He gives clarity in all things, and God always emphasizes the most important things. As we see, for example, uh, God repeats himself in Scripture. And uh, when the Lord says something once, that's important. But when he says it twice, three times, four times, five times, he says it multiple times, that means stop what you're doing and pay attention. This is really important. And we see multiple, multiple times through the Gospels, Jesus tells them again and again and again and again. Not to mention all the way back uh, with, the, with the prophets in the Old Testament. They, they prophesied of how this was going to come to pass. Even in detail, how. Well, prophet David, for example. Um, yes, David was a prophet. He was king and a prophet. And uh, how he wrote in Psalm 22. They pierced my hands and my feet. Well, you see, crucifixion was not a thing in Israel. Nobody did that that was a strictly a Roman thing and the Romans weren't even a thing yet they weren't even on scene yet so how, how so where did this idea of being pierced to your hands and your feet come from and how they would cast lots upon his vesture at, at, at his feet and everything is well that's the Lord the Lord sees and knows all and he's, he's telling David and he's writing it down and prophesying about these things that are going to happen so you know that after two days is the Feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Now, it's really interesting, the timing of all of this, the timing of all of this. If you take a look at um, in the Old Testament, uh, during the first Passover, uh, when uh, the Angel of Death is coming upon Egypt, and the firstborn of those would die who, if they didn't put the blood on the doorpost and lintel. And uh, we see in there where the, where the Lord told them to take a lamb to kill it and prepare it. And uh, they see the eating of, of the, the lamb with the bitter herbs and all this stuff uh, on that night as well. That the angel of the Lord was coming and would uh, bring judgment upon those that had not the blood. That'll preach. And we take a look at uh, what's going on though is a lamb. There, there was a death of a lamb and they would take the blood of the lamb and mark the doorpost of the lintel and and the spirit of judgment would pass over. right? When was Jesus crucified? During Passover. during Passover. it's just it's amazing the timing of all of this. We see so many pictures here, like Abraham, Isaac, and the ram, as I talked about it, the ram caught in the thicket by its horns, wrapped with thorns about its head, was a substitutionary sacrifice for Isaac on Mount Moriah, which is Mount Golgotha. And the lamb crowned with thorns, uh, uh, died on the cross for our sins, was our atonement sacrifice. But at, at the, also at the same time, is, is during Passover, where the lamb was killed, and its blood was taken and used to mark the doorpost and lintel, the doorway jesus says i am the door i am the way the truth and life so we see the blood of jesus christ upon the uh, upon the door the only way the only truth the only life and he uh, seals our hearts and the and the judgment passes over us what a great picture what a great picture everybody should be shouting amen but uh the one thing we see about this as well about the whole passover bit You know when they would take the blood of the lamb and they would mark the doorpost and the lintel with the blood of the lamb and the spirit of judgment came along the lord did not enter into the home to see who in the home was worthy hey he only checked to see if they had the blood I saw that on a post uh, someone had put up a while back i forget where it was or who put it up originally but that stuck with me that is so profound so simple and profound just that that the insight on that that the lord did not look in the home to see who was worthy he only looked to see if they had the blood on the door If they had accepted the only way, the truth, the life, the the blood of the Lamb upon the door. That's amazing. So we see this all throughout Scripture, the the powerful pictures and examples that the Lord Lord had written down for us. And we look upon these things and we meditate upon them. What does this mean in, in context of the rest of the Word of God? So with that, as that's a salvationary picture, a foreshadowing of what is to come, about the Messiah, the Lamb of God, salvation to come. And we look at that. How can we then presume in any way, shape, or form that works our requirement to earn, to gain, maintain, to keep or self-atone or anything like that? How can we presume that even the slightest? Because it's about the blood upon the door. It's about the acceptance of the Lamb it's not about me i didn't save myself in any way the blood of the lamb did there was a death and shedding of blood there was a death of the lamb and the shedding of blood that's what delivers me that's what saves me god doesn't inspect anything else he doesn't expect anything else for this is the only way the only truth the only life amen someone say amen but this is the uh, the wonderful beautiful thing that the lord lord has given the lord has done for us the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world he saw and knew and he prepared it he was ready to give himself for us that's how much he loves us how beautiful is our lord all right let's keep going so we see Jesus wraps up his his talk here with everybody he finish all these sayings he says to his disciples you know that after two days is the Feast of Passover and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified while Jesus is saying this to his disciples the camera shifts all right the camera pans and 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 the scene shift and now we're behind closed doors and the the priests and the scribes and the elders and the pharisees and all of them are just absolutely irate they're absolutely irate they're absolutely furious at jesus they've tried everything they've done everything they possibly can they can't find a way they can't find a way to fault find jesus you know that's a powerful point and everybody needs to be aware of this one you know it's something that uh atheists even struggle with you know the real God hating Christ hating Bible hating atheists I have actually heard it from multiple sources from multiple people who either are atheists or were atheists and now they're saved is that when they put jesus on trial they are incapable of fault finding jesus they cannot find one thing wrong with them and you know it's not for lack of trying these kinds of folks they'll go to the all ends of the earth to one corner of the universe to the other to try to try to find something that justifies their position in hating god that they they fault find all kinds of things, other belief systems, uh, uh, errancies, contradictions, flaws, uh, problems, debaucheries, all uh, crimes, uh, whatever that they, they can find something to blame all them. But when they when they come when these pagans come to Jesus, they can't fault find him. He never said anything wrong. He never did anything wrong. He never taught anything wrong or pre- or presented anything incorrect and they can't fault find jesus that's a powerful powerful point because one thing's for sure if the bible was just written by man and there was no divine hand upon and no divine inspiration no no power of god upon it if it was just written by man it would be full of errors and contradictions and flaws and misrepresentations of all kinds of if this was just written by ignorant sheep herders don't you think that the the science the mathematics the astronomy the biology or something in here the historicity of it the characters the people the things that there would be tons of flaws and errors that would invalidate it as the word of god Do you not think that there would be something wrong in all the texts? But yet, there isn't. There's there's things in it that they don't like, that the pagans just don't like. But all because they don't like it doesn't mean that the thing in itself is wrong. So like these chief priests, scribes, elders, uh, the Pharisees and all of them, uh, they don't like Jesus. They hate him. They want to kill him, but they can't actually charge him with an error. They just really don't like him. So that's something to take note. That when you're talking with people, debating into these kinds of individuals, is you need to clarify uh, whether or not the thing that they're hating on is an actual, in and of itself, error, or that they just don't like it. And you have to really clarify that because sometimes they actually conflate the two things. All because they don't like it. That means it's an error. You know, the whole liberal logic thing. SJWs, they think all oh, because that you triggered them or because they hurt their feelings. That means that the thing in of itself is wrong then. No, uh, you just don't like it and you're being dumb. So, <laughs> then assembled verse 3. All right, so follow along here. Verse 3. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, which was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. Now, listen to that. They want to take Jesus by subtlety. Secretly, they want to sneak in, snatch him away with no one looking, and then kill him. Just get rid of him secretly, and all of a sudden, people look at where's Jesus? He just disappeared. Gee, and, and all the pharisees were like oh, i don't know he, he's, he just disappeared it, uh, how it's amazing it's amazing the hate the absolute hate that the world has for jesus christ if he was anyone else Who was anyone else the world wouldn't care wouldn't care but the fact that it's Jesus no other deity name or holy name is used as a cuss word in the world other than the names of God of the Bible the name of Jesus Christ is a cuss word you don't stub your toe and scream oh Buddha you don't slam your hand in the car door and scream oh Muhammad or oh Allah no, they only scream blasphemies against the Lord Most High. They only scream the blasphemies of Jesus Christ. The, the, if you take a look at the governments, you don't see the governments working in our, in our nations. Our, you don't see our governments working actively against Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or any or Mormonism. You only see them specifically targeting born again Christians, churches, and Bibles why is that where you see even the uh government officials even saying that christians are misinformed have been taught wrong on the bible regarding the whole alphabet community and that we need to re-educate the christians they literally said that go look that up go look that up why are they targeting us Hating on our faith, our belief, our God, our Savior, uh, hating on us, blaspheming our God, cursing our God, where everything else gets, gets to go scat-free. Why is that? The specific religious discrimination and targeting. Not because they fault find. Not because they found fault, but because they hate it. It's not because we actually did anything wrong, it's that they hate us because of what we stand for jesus says they'll hate you because of me in this world you should suffer tribulation for my name's sake why is that oh what do we stand for the only way the truth and the life the lord god of righteousness Or some of you may have heard may have seen of what what they've done recently like my brother said he showed it to me and he says you know i hesitate to show you but this is this is absolutely incredible. This is the most blasphemous thing I have ever seen," he said. And I took a look at it. I couldn't even get ten seconds into it. Is this this pagan mock priest up front and sa- saying she is saying, uh, uh, "Let's all stand and recite what they they call it the Sparkle Creed." <laughs> Go look this thing up. It'll curl your hair. The absolute unbelievable blasphemies that they start uttering against God, against the Word of God, against Jesus Christ, the most blasphemous things you've ever heard. And this is now spreading. This woke creed. Deliberate deliberate attack against the word of god you know if, if you go back actually just a second fyi okay fyi this message is illegal <clears throat> if you go back into the old testament and you take a look at sodom and gomorrah when the angels came down and they warned Lot about what was going to happen. And the men of the city rose up and came and stormed Lot's house. And told Lot to bring out these strangers because they wanted to <coughs> know them. And Lot said, no, that's that's terrible, don't do that. And they got mad the people of the city got mad and and stormed his house and beat upon the door and the angels struck them blind by the power of god the angels struck all the people blind so they were scrabbling around and yet they were still while stone blind scrabbling at the house and the door trying to get in because they still wanted to take advantage of the angels. Now knowing that they were supernatural beings, they knew they were struck blind, and they were still going at it. They were trying to take advantage of and assaults, assault the angels. What is this that we're seeing happen today? as I was talking about this disgusting debaucherous creed that's going on it's the it's the assault of God it's the assault of God they're directly assaulting God dragging him into their debauchery now what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah shortly after that Shortly after they did that, we see the angels grab Lot by the hand and dragged him and his family out of the city, and the judgment of God came upon them. Immediately following the assault on God's servants like that, assault on the supernatural, immediately following the assault of the supernatural, we, we, we see the judgment of God falls. And what are we seeing? They are debaucherously assaulting God assaulting his word watch my words i will be so so surprised if we don't see a horrible judgment in some way shape or form or another fall upon our nations following this disgusting debaucherous assault upon the lord and his word the things they say about jesus the things they say about god the things they say about the bible it is unbelievable that, that that disgusting, debaucherous creed was written by Satan. I swear it, it was written by Satan. It, I couldn't even get 10 seconds into it. it. It just disgusted me. I couldn't believe it. But here we see. They want to kill God. They want to kill the God of the Bible. It, we, we need to kill the Word of God and rewrite it and this is what's going on there's the as the these wicked men here in Matthew 26 they're taking counsel how they might kill Jesus Christ they might kill the Messiah kill God we're seeing that today our disgusting nations God is not in our Nations it's not one nation under God our anthems are lies deceptions God is not in our Nations it's not in our governments He's not in our schools. He's not in our medical establishment. He's not in the scientific establishment. He's nowhere to be found in our societies. God has gone underground nigh. We have some churches still holding on, skeleton crew as it is, but we're so scattered around now and that the majority of what's called churches are fallen away, fallen apart with these mock priests taking in these pulpits with people cheering on their debaucherous preaching while they're dragging god into this wokeism and all kinds of other uh, immorality tell me i'm wrong god is not in in uh in our nations he's not in in our societies the remnant remains but few it be few it be they count they took counsel They consulted, they consulted with themselves how they might kill God. Look at verse 4, Matthew 26, verse 4. This is what's happening. Your government, my government, is taking counsel how they might kill God and strip Him out of society altogether. They want to ban the Bibles. They want to ban the gathering. They They want to control the preaching. They want to censor your words you're not allowed to preach repentance not allowed to preach on sin you can't say certain words they want they wanted to control the praise and the hymns you're not allowed to sing certain songs anymore Dur- during the lockdowns you weren't allowed to sing at all they want to kill god our governments want to kill god can you show me one country in the entire world That's in line with the Word of God. That doesn't have some ulterior motive to water down, change, alter, omit, uh, control, or destroy the faith. Where Where they don't align with some aspect of sin and debauchery. You won't find one. Show me a single politician that stands on the Bible. You won't find a single one that hasn't compromised themselves and agreed and is going along with some other debaucherous uh, uh, point point that they're standing with just so they can stay popular and and work away into the government. You're not going to find the whole world just as we see in the time of Noah. God was not in all their thoughts. God was forgotten and cast away. The whole world had turned against them. And only Noah and his family remained. Only Lot and his family remained. The remnant is still here, but it's small. As scriptures say, when the Lord comes again, will he even find faith in the earth? So what should we do? What should we do? Hold the line. Hold the line. Keep the faith. Equip yourself. Be strong. Stand strong in the Lord. Stand in the Lord. Be still and know that He is God. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. Keep the faith as it is. What the Word of God says, that's the truth. Even if the entire world is against you, they're wrong. They're wrong they'll tell you oh, you just don't understand what you're talking about you were taught wrong you don't know that God changes God changes and as this one debaucherous woman as I saw online says well if Jesus was here in the flesh today he would evolve with our society and he would be 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 just like us no He'd be flipping tables and he'd be uh, uh, tearing off one strip up one side, down the other, through the middle. He'd be talking to you as he did the Pharisees. He'd be telling you to repent. These pagans trying to alter and change the word of God, trying to tell us what our faith is these people don't understand salvation is by grace through faith by belief alone in the Lord God Jesus Christ alone what the word of God says the absolute truth and if people don't like it then they are the enemies of God and they need to repent and be saved need to repent Saul became Paul nobody is beyond the grace of God but we need to hold the line The world won't like it, they'll censor, they'll dox, they'll delete, they'll ban, they'll hate, they'll charge, they'll imprison, they'll arrest, they'll scream, and they'll spit, and they'll throw all kinds of demonic, screeching arguments against you. They're wrong. Hold the line. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith. The Lord says this is how it would go. And just like he says here in Matthew 26, this is why he came for this purpose he said this is what would happen and it came to pass just as he says just as he said he told us this is what would happen in the end of days that the the love of many shall wax cold and the violence and the wickedness and the immorality and all the rest of it will happen but do not be deceived hold the line do not be deceived the lord is with you do not be deceived Believe the truth, hold to the truth. We were told, so let us not be so surprised. When these things happen, let us not be so surprised, but rather take a deep breath and sigh. Oh, if they only understood what they were doing. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. Just as these these leaders of the Jews, if if they had any idea the kind of danger they're in, They would fall on their faces and scream for mercy. And if these pagans and heathens around us, if they had any idea what they were up against, they would fall on their faces and beg the mercy of God. So let us have mercy on them. Let us forgive them. Have mercy on them. And let us warn them. Tell them they can be saved. They can be saved. They can be saved. All they need. Is the atonement of the Lamb. The atonement of the Lamb. And their sins will be washed away. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be washed whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be washed white like wool. By grace, through faith, are ye saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. This is what the Word of God says. Verse 4. Matthew 26, verse 4. And they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. Now, they knew what they were doing was wrong. These leaders knew what they were doing was wrong. As I've talked about before, they also full well knew who Jesus is. They knew who he is. And they wanted to kill him anyways. They knew that what they were doing was wrong. That's why they wanted to do it secretly. Like King Saul knew that going to the witch of Endor was wrong he knew it that's why he went at night and he changed his raiment he put on rags so that he could go in disguise and no one would recognize him and he skulked away to the to the house of the witch of Endor he knew it was wrong yet he did it anyways these ones they knew what they were doing was wrong that's why they had to do it subtly need to figure out a way to do it subtly that's why they came to Jesus by night not as nicodemus who came to jesus by night to speak to jesus to understand the truth these ones are coming in by night to attack him to hate on him to destroy him look at this and they consulted they might take jesus by subtlety and kill him and they said not on the feast day lest there be an uproar among the people because all the people understood They knew that Jesus was good and he had done nothing wrong. These ones weren't going to give him a fair trial. No fair trial. No fair trial. Just like our courts today are so corrupt. So corrupt. They arrest pastors and preachers and evangelists. And they charge with hate crimes and everything else. They're so corrupt. And they, they put... God hating, Bible hating pagans in the courts. It's not fair. Well, of course, devils are going to say that we're found guilty. That's just where we are. And they say in verse five, but they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an upper among the people. The people knew who Jesus was, and they knew he was good, he did no wrong. And these people, these rulers here, feared the people. That's why they need to figure out how to do this secretly now the end the scene shifts camera shifts verse six so this is what's happening in verse two we see Jesus telling his disciples this is what's going to happen and as he's saying this is what's going to happen camera pans and we see that these evil rulers uh, uh, behind the closed doors working this out so this would happen camera pans again now Jesus he's just going on he knows what's going to happen he knows what must be done and he's not worried he's not worried And that leaves us an example here, this leaves us an example that though all of these kinds of things arise, worry not, doubt not, fear not, fret not, be anxious for nothing, care not, sorrow not, just keep yourself busy, keep yourself busy, let the heathen rage, let the heathen rage let the people imagine a vain thing as we see here that this is how the people will be and what's going on and all this wickedness will increase keep busy keep preaching keep witnessing stay faithful to the Lord no matter what the world says or does stay faithful to the Lord as Jesus in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper now he's in the house, and we pair with some of the other gospels. We, we take a look at here. Um, there's tons of people around that come to see, and they want they want to see see him to hear him. This is all the disciples. All this is going on. You know, I want to place the scene here. Verse seven. There came to him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat on his head and anointed his feet. And we know who this is. This is Mary. As he sat at me, and when his disciples saw it, now, you got to place yourself there, and, and they're sitting around, they're talking, they're eating, they're, they're milling around in the house, and there's people all around, and in she comes with this box. Now, we don't know how big it was, or any of that kind of thing, and uh, so I think it says one of those, a pound of Spike Nard or something. What was it? Pound or something. But she comes in, and uh, she breaks it. Now this is perfume. Now how she broke it? Well, I think there's like a wax seal on the lid. I, I believe that's how how they used to do these things. They they would seal the lid with wax, and you'd break the seal, and you could open it. Um, but this is very very strong perfume. Very very strong ointment, and the smell of it would fill the place, it go out the windows, everybody around could smell this, this beautiful perfume, this beautiful smell. So she comes in with this thing, precious ointment. Now the Bible talks about the precious ointment. It warns about uh, no, uh, about uh, uh, the ointment as, as a picture, uh, it's like a metaphor, a picture of our works. And about how, if, if a fly gets in the ointment, it spoils it. Now, as you see, Beelzebub, meaning Lord of the Flies, now the name of the devil. It's interesting how deception and these kinds of things can come in and can spoil our ointment that we are giving to the Lord, which is our works. Now, we give our works to the Lord as a, as a sacrifice, our service and all these things in thankfulness, our service because we love Him, we follow Him in discipleship and obedience and it is seen as like ointment, our prayers as incense. Now, this ointment, she comes in and what is she doing? She pours it on his head and set it meat. Now, if you go down to verse 10, see Jesus says, she hath wrought a good work upon me. What she is doing is a form of worship. She understands who Jesus is. She understands what he's come for. She understands what he's doing. She believes. And this is an act of worship upon him. As a blessing to him. And Jesus allows her to do this. And he blesses what she's done. Now, what she did did here may not be, in, in some regards, a mighty thing mighty service of a mighty work but it's still a a good work nonetheless and the Lord blesses it and he loves it and he defends it but some people can't really do much they might not have uh, by way by way of service big platforms public opportunities they might not have much education or even much physical ability to do much but it but it's not about the size of the work that you bring to the Lord but that you do bring something to the Lord like you look at the woman with the two mites she didn't bring in bags of money she brought in what she could she brought in the two mites but it was the attitude of the heart and the worship of the Lord and her love of the Lord she wanted to give these these two mites to the Lord And this is all she had and jesus spoke up and defended her to everybody there this woman has put in more than all these others and then they see the pharisees and all the rulers coming in and they put in great great gobs of money and all kinds of treasure into the treasury and they're doing this out of just to be seen of men it's like their prayer is a public and to be seen of men they're fasting and the way they put on their face, they twist their faces to be seen of men because they want the accolades of men. It's not about the heart in them. But the woman with the two mites, this these two pennies, she puts it in and the Lord blesses it, honors this, defends her to all the people. You bring what you can. You do what you can for the Lord and the Lord blesses and honors it. God never looks down on what you're doing if what you are doing is for him even if even if it's the littlest thing even a glass of cool water in the name of the Lord the Lord blesses it and honors it we see the faithfulness of the Lord the fairness of the Lord the beauty of the Lord as the Lord does not discriminate against our works he only looks at the attitude of the heart of this. God couldn't care less what what you're wearing in regards as long as it doesn't go against him he doesn't care about what you're doing as long as it doesn't go against him you see there's a line of what he says in righteousness what he sa- says in doctrine what he says about morality what he says about obedience and love of the heart and righteousness and all of that we walk the path of righteousness and obedience and works before Him out of the attitude of our heart, and the Lord understands and He pours upon us His grace. Some people, they go to church and they're dressed up in the, uh, to the nines and the fancy suits, and they're carrying the Bibles and singing the hymns and doing all the charity, all the good works, all the stuff. But where's their heart? Where's their heart? God looks at the attitude of the heart, the belief of the heart. He looks at the faith of the individual. He looks at the faith of the individual. So don't ever look down on yourself because you it seems like you're not able to do much. It's the fact that you even want to do something for him is what pleases him. And this woman, she comes in. She comes in with this little box of ointment. Something precious to her. And she wants to give it to Jesus. She wants to give it to the Lord. She breaks it. It can never be taken back she gives it she casts it upon him she pours it on his head she anoints his feet and the smell of this filled the room it filled the room her her good works upon jesus christ filled the room all sod what we see here is also to not be ashamed she didn't do it secretly she didn't go up to jesus afterwards and say say, master can can i just talk to you just a second and secretly give it to him she didn't do it she she didn't care what others thought she didn't care what others others would see what they would think she was open and blatant and bold about her faith she was bold about her worship she was bold about about her belief on the lord she went before him publicly she anointed the Lord publicly. She worshipped the Lord publicly. She was not ashamed. She couldn't care less what others would, would think. She poured it upon the Lord. And Some will see what you're doing and they'll speak against it. Some will look at, at you and they'll they'll gripe and complain and they'll speak against and they'll, they'll, they'll stick up the nose at you or whatever else. They might even get mad at you and speak against you. Tell you off in some way. Verse 8. But When the disciples saw it, they had indignation. Anger. Saying, to what purpose is this waste? Well, we know who that was. You know, all because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. You see, sheep sheep of the lord love the service love service to the shepherd they love the shepherd love everything about the shepherd sheep accept discipline they accept instruction and they encourage the saints and they draw the lost to christ sheep don't have a problem with uh, with the worship of christ goats however the goats the wolves and the rats the goats the wolves and the rats will always slander hate fight push back bite against speak against they always uh, seek to cause trouble in some way shape or form they hate reproach they hate reproof they hate it when they're told off they hate correction and they and they spend more time belly aching complaining and griping and arguing and fighting than they do anything else the goats the wolves and the rats now we know by cross-referencing with the other gospels who this was this is judas this is judas iscariot because he was a thief and he carried the bag and what he wanted as you see here in verse 9 he says this is a waste for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor Because, well, he had the bag and there was a whole bunch of money there that he wasn't able to get. Now, the point I want to look at here, look at what he says here, verse 8. What purpose is this waste? What purpose is this waste? What a waste. We see the world looks at us in the same way. What a waste of a life. You don't get to go and do whatever you want and live up to your own pleasures, your own desires, and to and to just live to, uh, to every excess. What a waste of a life. What a waste of education. What a waste of your money, giving your money to the church. What a waste of all of this and censoring yourself. Just go do whatever you want. Live however you want. Be your own master. You're your own God. What a waste of a life. if not even in that we see in some people say say kind of the same thing to people that want to get into ministry and witnessing an evangelism what a waste of time what a waste of time to reach other people just just believe in your own way and just keep it to yourself what a waste of time you're wasting your breath with these people you're wasting your prayers on this You're waste a waste everything's a waste everything's a waste to these kinds of people What a waste of worship. What a waste of praise. What a waste of breath. What a waste of ointment. But it was given to the Lord. Anything given to the Lord is never a waste. Anything given to the Lord is not wasted. And the Lord will take it. He'll use it. He'll bless it. He'll honor it. Those who honor me, I will honor. And it doesn't matter if it's two mites or or even whole kingdoms. It doesn't matter. What you give to the lord he'll take and use and bless and honor and the lord will never look down his nose at you he will never he'll he'll never question that why aren't you giving more he didn't say anything to to this woman why aren't you giving me more why don't you do more he never does that it's about faith it's about grace it's not about how much you bring it's about how you bring it it's about how you bring it the attitude of the heart we serve the lord not to not to the satisfaction of men you do what you're doing because it's honorable unto the lord not because it pleases men don't serve the lord in such a way that because you know that if you don't do it this way some people won't like it or whatever this and you're only doing it to please people don't ever do that You serve the lord out of the abundance of the heart out of your faith and love to the lord and you don't care what other people say or think you sing and praise and pray and worship and serve to the fullness of your ability unto the lord because it is right and he loves it and he takes it and he accepts this and you don't care what others say or think it's none of their business who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master he stands or falls If you're criticizing another person in their worship and service of the Lord, who do you think you are? You're just like Judas here. Judas, the the way he's griping against Mary. Don't you ever be like that. Rather, why don't you go join them and encourage them. Sing with them. Work with them. Why don't you help them? Instead of tearing down what they're doing, how about help them build it up? They may be a weak brother or sister a new brother or sister maybe they don't under, understand maybe they don't have enough why don't you go help them help them pray for them bless them encourage them you know that which the lord hates are those that sow discord amongst the brethren being at odds against your brother and sister the lord hates that he absolutely hates that and this one judas and indignation anger against mary because she didn't do it in the way that he except the way that he liked it for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor what about the poor what about those around what about others here why you spend your time on these why don't you go do something else people who talk like that they don't have your best interests at heart they don't When Jesus heard it, though, verse 10, we see when Jesus understood it, he he heard what was said. He knew it was in the heart of this one that was griping. And he said, uh, said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. This is directed to me, not you. This is given to me, not you. She believes in me, not you. She follows me, not you. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ, not man not denomination not clan or stripe we follow Jesus Christ and him alone no one else is our is our authority no one else is our leader we follow no one else's word no one else's opinion we're not doing these things for anyone else's satisfaction it's not about traditions it's about what God has said what God has done what God has laid out before him and him alone we ought to obey God rather than men and if other people don't like it that's their problem If the pagans get mad, that's their problem. They're going to have to deal with it. Tough. We ought to be God rather than men. Let the demons screech. Why trouble ye the woman? She hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Wait a minute. He hadn't been betrayed yet. They hadn't arrested him yet he hasn't been crucified yet he's not dead yet they're still days away she did it for my burial it's because she knew she understood she understood she believed she knew and and she is worshiping the lord and understanding and knowledge and belief and faith and and who he is what he is why he came who came for came to do she's paying attention you know it's interesting if you go back to the birth of jesus when the wise men came and they offered him uh, gold frankincense and myrrh have you ever done a study on that Those specific gifts that they offered, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, why did they give that? When you take a look at the individual things, gold for his royalty, and frankincense and myrrh for his life and his death. And they fell down and worshipped him. These wise men knew exactly who Jesus was they knew they knew what he came for they were paying attention they understood the prophecies and they come to the king the king of kings and they knew who he was and they worshipped him and they gave him gold frankincense and myrrh for his life and his burial and gold for his royalty and they worshipped him as God They understood who who he was and what he came to do. Just as Mary here understands who Jesus is and what he came to do. His burial. He's come to give his life a ransom for many. Isaiah 53. She had poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. boast uh, boast not thyself let another man's lips praise thee as you see she did this not to be seen of others she did, she didn't didn't do this for them she did this for him and out of the pureness of the heart pureness of faith and obedience and love and worship and service to the Lord he will honor and respect and he will bless and he will increase we see see she brings this and how does he how does he honor her she's eternally memorialized in the word of god for what she did just like the woman with the two mites this woman with the two mites now the one thing we see by this as well Judas Iscariot Now, I just want to talk just for a quick moment here regarding Judas Iscariot. Because some people struggle with him. Was Judas Iscariot saved? Now, I went over this the other day. I'm just going to go over this again just really quickly here. Judas Iscariot, was he saved? Now, look at this, for for example. Now, we see in the Word of God. It's written down that Judas was a thief present tense he was a thief what does the bible say about thieves they will not enter the kingdom of heaven now the other thing too here remember what i said about correction sheep love correction goats hate it goats wolves and rats hate it they get mad jesus tells judas off For his behavior for what he said and his attitude and all this and he he corrects him and instead of accepting the the correction instead of adjusting himself accordingly instead of apologizing or asking asking for forgiveness any of this rather what does he do jesus tells off judas corrects him judas gets mad he gets mad at jesus how dare jesus correct me You see some of those kinds of people sometimes in the churches or out in the streets or other places. Certain individuals that when when you go to correct them according to the word of God, they just get their back up and they get all miffed and they get all upset. And they try to make excuses and they won't apologize. They just run away. They just get mad and leave. Well, fine, I'm just going to go to another church. (laughs) Goats, wolves, and rats be like... So... We see Judas, he gets mad at Jesus and he storms off. Verse 14, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him in, uh, unto you. Because Jesus told him off and wouldn't let him have his way. He's going to betray Jesus to the chief priests. He's going to turn against the Lord. Look at that. Those who can't stand correction, those who don't listen to the Word of God, and then when the Word of God is spoken, and it it rebukes their sin, it rebukes their error, and they won't accept it, it's no different. It is no different than running off, And you're betraying the Lord to the wicked. You're betraying the Lord. You're running away from the Lord and you're going to someone else. And you're going to betray your faith. You're going to betray your faith. Turning against the Lord like this. But look, one other point I want to make here. It's really interesting. I came across this one a while back. And it just, I was just amazed. We see here in verse 15 and and he and said unto them what will you give me and i will deliver him unto you and they covenanted they made a covenant they made a covenant with judas they promised him that if you bring us jesus we'll give you 30 pieces of silver now this one's really interesting now the question i have and i'm I'm wondering if uh, any of you folks And if you folks know why 30 pieces of silver why 30 pieces of silver why specifically that much of that kind why not gold why not 20 why not 10 why not 15 why not 73 why 30 pieces of silver this one's interesting i'd like to see what's your thoughts may anybody have a guess Do you have a guess? Come on, throw out some guesses. What do you think? So, if we take a look, what we want to do is let's go back to Zechariah. Let's go into the Old Testament. And let's go to Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 12. Let's go down to verse 12. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12. And I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was prized, Sorry, I can't read. Cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was prized at, at of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. It's a prophecy that it would be 30 pieces of silver would be the, be the price. Now, why? But why 30 pieces of silver? It was prophesied, that's what it would be. And uh, Just FYI, just a quick, just a rabbit trail. Just chapter 11, Zechariah chapter chapter 12. My coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And look what he says. And I'll pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness uh, for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn prophecy that he be pierced uh, which is interesting because according to jewish law according to jewish law what the pharisees and the high priests were accusing jesus of was blasphemy that's what they charged him with was blasphemy according to jewish law blasphemers are stoned to death they were, he, they were stoned to death and this is important uh, to, to note this because it says um, that not a bone of him shall be broken because Jewish stoning they would take big stones great big stones two-handers up overhead and they'd slam them down on you break your bones and they crush you to death that's what Jewish stoning was wasn't tiny little little teeny itty bitty rocks that they just pelt you with no great big stones and they would crush you to death not a bone of him shall be broken but rather he'd be pierced they pierced my hands and my feet as it says but anyways that that's a side note but if we take a look at the 30 pieces of silver why 30 pieces of silver let's go back let's go back to Exodus all the way back to Exodus exodus chapter 21. exodus chapter 21. and we see uh, first a glimpse here of why 30 pieces of silver look at this exodus chapter 21 and verse 32 all right exodus 21 verse 32 uh, this is going over laws and these kinds of things verse 32 if the ox shall push ram against with their horns if an ox shall push a manservant or maidservant he shall give unto their master thirty shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned so if an ox attacks a person a servant The price of that is 30 pieces of silver, and the ox will be put to death. Okay, hold on. Let's go over to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Now, Judas agreed with these ones that if he betrayed Jesus, they'd give him 30 pieces of silver. Jesus called himself a servant, he's come to serve. He's come to lead the way. He's serving. Now look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 22. Uh, uh, Sorry. Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 12. Psalm 22, verse 12. I can't talk today. Psalm 22, verse 12. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Bulls are attacking me and have put me to death. Strong bulls of Bayshan are attacking me and putting me to death. What is the price? 30 pieces of silver. And if we go back, Matthew 26, verse 15. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Now, what happened to Judas? Now, the, the ox shall be stoned, right? The ox shall be stoned that attacks the servants and kills them. Now, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then what happened what happened to judas so he attacked the lord for 30 pieces of silver and he went to hang himself he did not repent he would not repent but rather he's just all upset because of all the trouble he caused and he went to hang himself but he fell Uh, i guess the noose didn't work the rope broke or the branch broke or i don't know how, how it happened but anyways he wound up falling to his death upon the stones and he was torn asunder. It says, "On all his bowels gushed it," and he just and he, and he wound up getting ripped to pieces upon the rocks. The ox shall be stoned. Interesting. Interesting how it all plays out, even all, all the way back to Exodus. About the ox and the servants and 30, 30 shekels of silver, is a foreshadowing picture that this is exactly what happened it's just that when you see all the cross referencing, all these details this is really interesting but anyways so that that's Matthew 26 15 with Zechariah 11 12 with Exodus what was it again Exodus 21 32 and Psalm 22 verse 12 13 and 14. so just something to look at there it's really interesting now to look at Judas now Judas was he saved taking a big rabbit trail regarding Judas now Judas was a thief he betrayed the Lord to death he betrayed the Lord to death he got mad at correction and rejected correction now we take a look what Jesus says here Jesus says In John chapter 17, verse 12. John 17, verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition. That means son of condemnation. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, Judas was a thief. angry at correction betrayed the lord to death he would not repent but he killed himself and jesus calls him the son of condemnation now if we take a look at the word of god you can't lose your salvation it cannot be lost taken away or recanted judas iscariot was not saved he never got saved he was so close he walked with the lord for a few years listening to all the messages seeing all the miracles seeing all the evidence all having all the conviction and he rejected it all At hebrews 6 46 he, he was enlightened to it but he rejected he resisted it because he loved his sin more he would not repent and believe he would not turn to the lord and rather he condemned himself by his unbelief by his rejection of the Lord so close to the cross but so far from the blood Judas Iscariot was never saved and his, um and we take a look at verse 16 as well and from that time that when they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver from that time he sought opportunity to betray him so for the next few days He pretended to be a disciple, but he held anger and hatred in his heart towards Jesus. Hatred in his heart towards the Lord. Deliberate, willful hatred of Christ. Walking, talking, sitting, pretending. But all the while he knew and he rejected it. It was, it was all a scam. Also, the other point I want to make as well, as we see in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 first john chapter 3 verse 9 whosoever is born of god doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of god now what's interesting as it says whosoever is born of god doth not commit sin the word commit in the koine greek means to live in unrepentantly live in unrepentantly it doesn't mean that whoever is born of god will never sin will never commit sins it's not what that says Otherwise, we'd have a big problem of First John chapter 2, verse 1. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. In First John 1, 9, and if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If those born of God are literally incapable of sinning and will never sin, then why does it say that? First John 1, 9 and First John 2, 1. That's because we can sin. We will make mistakes. We will turn against the Lord. We will be apathetic. We will be like the prodigal sometimes. But the Lord is our advocate, our mediator, our intercessor. The point here is whosoever is born of God will not live in sin unrepentantly. That if we do sin, we'll have conviction on it, we'll come before the Lord and ask him to forgive us. So those who teach that that well, you can be you can attain sinlessness, that holiness uh doctrine where you can you you can be sinless holy and you'll never sin or you 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 can get to a point you'll never sin that's a bunch of baloney that's false doctrine that that's not true rather the point is 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 the conviction is the is the flag is the evidence conviction of sin of this and you come before the lord and you ask him to forgive you and to help you that's evidence of salvation of the spirit of god within you convicting you and drawing you if you're doing these things and you have no conviction uh, if you have no conviction of sin, you m- might be that there's no Holy Spirit within. And you want to look at that conviction. The prodigal son had conviction. The thief on the cross had conviction. Peter denied the Lord had conviction. Judas betrayed the Lord, no conviction. Esau, no conviction. Esau's repentance, which I hated, says God, because it was fake. It was fake repentance. He was not actually sorry. So, as we see then, Judas Iscariot was not saved. He cursed himself by his own choice of living in sin with no repentance. So close to Christ, listening to Jesus while he taught, hearing sermons on repentance and salvation, and still choosing to keep his old life. By his own stubbornness and rebellion, he cursed himself to hell outwardly he confessed knowledge but there's no evidence of belief in the heart Judas iscariot was not saved okay let's go back all right so how far are we along here oh we still got a fair bit here okay so we've been going for an hour 19. we'll go a little bit further here okay so in verse 16 and from that time he saw opportunity to betray him he had fixed himself in a position he had made a choice he made a choice he chose not to believe he chose to oppose the lord he chose to stay in his sin he chose to reject jesus christ what does what does the lord say about this he gives us an opportunity we are given a choice it's a gift that is offered it's a gift that is offered in Hebrews 6 4 to 6 he gives the understanding the Enlightenment the and, and and you know did Judas act here in complete ignorance did Judas not know who he was he knew full well he knew full well he saw all the evidences the deity claims that the powers the evidences the miracles the teachings he saw he heard he 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 knew exactly what he was doing and turned against it he turned against it well well god deliberately did that to him because because so judas was created because god needed the one who was going to do this and no 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 not in the slightest god is not willing that any should perish god calls all men everywhere to repent if even one person was specifically created to be hellfire fodder then god is willing that some should perish but it says that god is not willing that any should perish you see judas was a willing participant god didn't specifically say okay i want you 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 can't be saved you're gonna go straight to hell but i uh, i'm gonna have you no no god didn't do that god is not a monster and he's not willing that any should perish judas chose judas chose he willingly chose god is not willing that any should perish now we take a look, and what it's about is about sin. Christ came to give Himself for our salvation, as we are lost, cast cast away by our own sin of our own choices. His His Word is written on our heart, His laws upon our. We know there's uh, we are without excuse, as Romans 1, 18 and twenty five says. We are without excuse, and we change the truth of God into a lie. To fit our own personal narrative. We make a God of our own imagination. And what does the Lord do? Then when we oppose the Lord. He shows that. He He, 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 And we're without excuse. And we reject. We oppose the Lord. What does he do? He lets us go. Fine. That's what you want. And God hands them over. He hands them over. Judas. He had an opportunity here. To repent. To seek the truth. But he hardened himself against the Lord and he got angry. He stayed in his sin. He went to betray the Lord and the Lord handed him over. Fine. That's what you want. Okay. And he handed him over. That's what we see in the word of God. There's a choice to be made. To believe in the Lord or to turn against the Lord. And From that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Many people betray their faith for their own personal uh, volition, for their own personal satiety, their own personal desires, for their own personal imaginations. They betray the faith, and it's the importance that we see all along here: is do not be deceived by false doctrine. Don't be deceived by the flesh. Don't be deceived by the ways of the world. Don't be 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 deceived by the Judases by the goats the wolves and the rats don't be deceived by false doctrine what does the word of god flat out say study it out do the word studies what are the meanings of the words in all of these things like we just saw in first john 3 9 but what does the word commit mean it does not mean that well once i'm saved i'll never sin again that's a lie that's a false doctrine and a heresy by that sinlessness crowd that don't understand The the difference between the spirit and the flesh. The flesh is not saved. The flesh is condemned to die. The flesh opposes the spirit. The flesh wars against the spirit. I know that in my flesh dwelt no good thing. And the apostle Paul struggled with sin. If you think you're one of those sinlessness people, are you honestly saying you're better than apostle Paul? who said he struggled with sin the things I want to do I can't do the things I don't want to do I do a wretched man that I am who is same as his body sin. I know that in me dwelt no good thing for uh, in my flesh dwelt no good thing with the mind I serve the law of God with the flesh I served the law of sin go read your Bible what does the Bible say about this if any man sin we have an we we who's the we the saved we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous If we, who's the we? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we want to take a look at ourselves. Examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Examine our faith to see wherein it lies. Because there's much deception out there. That in a moment, our own emotions of our flesh can get riled up. And we all have these moments we all have these moments but we're to be careful and catch ourselves not let our flesh rule our mind not let our flesh rule our spirit not let our flesh rule our faith the flesh doesn't care about you the flesh doesn't care about the word of God the flesh doesn't care about Jesus Christ it cares about itself it cares about its own emotions it cares about its own feelings it cares about its own level of respect how dare you disrespect me that's the flesh that's flesh speaking you're being very fleshly very very fleshy but what does the word of God say we walk in spirit we walk in the spirit of truth and the fruits of the spirit love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance though something rises up that does offend us that gets that gets us upset examine examine test the spirit of, of them of the matter of the moment of the circumstance test the spirit that that you are about to speak in is it the mind of flesh or the mind of spirit as you see evidence is in here of some things that are important regarding worship service what what manner are we bringing it? why are we doing this mindfulness as well christ mindfulness not, and not, not being mindful of others in this. We worship and serve the Lord and not care what others think. They might get upset. They might call us out or whatever else. What they feel is they're irrelevant. We're worshiping the Lord. We're anointing Him. We're serving Him. Keeping our eyes on Him. Let our, let our minds be held captive by the Word of God in prayer. And the Judases, the goats, the wolves, and the rats will get offended. You wanna you want a really easy way to reveal the goats, the wolves, and the rats? You want an easy way to find the goats, the wolves, and the rats in a church or in, in a group or 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 identify them for where they are? Start serving the Lord like you mean it. Watch what happens start worshiping the lord and praising the lord publicly unashamedly boldly in public before others watch what happens the goats the wolves and the rats will get angry they'll get offended they'll get embarrassed they'll cringe they'll say against speak against and they they won't stand with you they won't praise with you they won't want to be near you the goats the wolves and the rats are ashamed of jesus christ the sheep are not the sheep are not just something to think about so, so there we go so we're going down here so um any other comments questions issues insights so we're just going to end it there that's a part one of chapter 26 that's matthew chapter 26 part one so we've gone from verse one down to verse 16. so i uh, i hope this has been a help a comfort and encouragement to you hope this has giving you something to think about if you have any comments questions issues insights please go ahead ask we would be glad to hear from you all right so we'll go down through the comments I know there's a whole bunch of comments here so we'll see what uh what's being said all right so good morning good morning how's it going hallelujah amen right, and like I said at the beginning here folks uh praise the Lord we ha- were able to figure out how to fix this stupid camera we're uh, we're able to uh turn off the auto focus you may have noticed it's not doing its focus thing where it keeps getting blurry and clear and it's like it's almost like it's pulsing we finally were able to figure out how to turn that off so it's a it's a lot easier to to uh to, to watch in now and it's less annoying for me as well as I'm, I'm not seeing myself in the screen here just moving in and out Oh, it was driving me nuts figured out how to fix that so <laughs> praise the lord um yeah, i just want to pass that on and uh, good morning good morning um jesse says hey, amen i'll catch the replay. or i need to mow before it's over 100 degrees yeah no worries no worries That's what the replace for okay angela says it shows shows you how amazing god's love is that he loves everyone exactly exactly uh, that the love of god how nobody is beyond the grace of god nobody is beyond salvation and for God so loved the world. Think about it. The greater love of no man than this and a man who lay down his life for his friends. How much more when they lay down their life for their enemy? And while we yet, yet, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us, while we're enemies of God. Enemies of God Enemies of God. Children of the devil, heirs of hell, condemned in our sins, deserving the judgment. And by grace, out of sheer mercy and grace of God, he came down, shed his blood, and died, was buried and rose again for us. His enemies. He says, if you would just believe, you'd be saved not by works not by righteous works not by works of the law but by grace are you saved through faith you just believe believe in the lord jesus christ Thou should be saved it's that easy and i and i will redeem you redeem you from your sins redeem you from the judgment i'll change you save you wash you clean you seal you with my spirit adopt you into my family by grace by grace are ye saved through faith, believing, trust. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. Okay. Let's go down through here. It so says a whole bunch here by, a um, bunch of comments here. Uh, the love and the truth. It says, be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We are perfect as our master. In him is no sin. Paul spoke uh, wisdom among them that, uh, that, are perfect, yeah. And I said about perfection. I want to take a look at perfection, uh, as it says in Timothy 2nd Timothy 3 16 and 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished with all good works. How by the word of God, the word of God guides us unto all perfection, as we are not perfect, but, but we are perfected in service and when we walk with him. But in this, you see, is strive for the mastery of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, strive for this, but but uh the perfection is him he is perfect we are not but we seek that which is the perfection which is his word as uh, we seek to grow and change and all this and uh, but while we're in this world we're in the world we are not of the world our flesh which is sinful our flesh which is corrupted our flesh which is not saved will oppose us and fight us and all these things And will keep drawing us down, fighting us and and resisting. We see as Paul the Apostle says how he, with the mind I serve the law of God, with the flesh I serve the law of sin. So even the Apostle Paul struggled with sin. See the sin nature of the flesh within us, opposing us. But we seek the perfection of the Lord. And, and in this we see is understanding, conviction, and, and all this. And how we can fight and oppose the sin of the flesh. And how when we do fall, the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. As it's not about the fall, it's about the getting back up. And, uh, and how the Lord is merciful unto us. He's our advocate, mediator, and intercessor in all of this. That when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So the perfection is Christ, his word, and we seek the perfection of him. Christ likeness. But we are not Christ's. We are not God's. We are not sinless. He is, but he seeks to save us from, from this. Okay. Um, uh, for, and you quoted 1 John 3, 6. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Again, context. Context about this. Uh, but uh, the can uh, commit is to live in sin unrepentantly so you want to pair all the verses together not to t- t- take them one at a time like so you gotta need the, you need the whole context the whole context of this um and then you go on to say if you still believe you sin you have not seen him or known him that's wrong all will know him all will know him not all know him yet that's true uh, You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And you go on to say, Jesus doesn't judge like man does. Right. He says, judge righteously, which is his word. You judge by the word of God. Do you not know the saints shall judge the world? Uh, Judgment must begin at the house of God. And so we judge by the standard of the word of God, and not after appearance of emotions and feelings and sight, but rather righteously of the heart. We listen to the doctrine out of the heart, and we judge by the word of God. Because the word of God is perfect, we are not. You judge with the flesh, I judge no man. Jesus doesn't judge like man does I'm so deeply saddened by the depth of false doctrines that people spew yeah it is it is sad how how people can spew false doctrines and things when they cherry pick the word of God and preach all kinds of crazy things we need to bring everything back to the word of God what does it say and understanding the full context understanding what all the verses mean all the meanings of the words all these things and by this otherwise we can come away with the idea that we can we can attain sinlessness which is nonsense saying you can attain sinlessness is saying you can you can earn that you can attain a position where you could be the atonement for the sin of the whole world all right let's keep going angela says just because you're convicted of sin doesn't mean you can stop sinning and you continue in a sin and still be a christian well it says uh, i can't stop sinning in certain sins it's driving me crazy that's the flesh and the enemy you see this is where i bring in the point of how uh, devils in many ways are kind of like fishermen bear with me one second and that they have a tackle box and in their tackle box are all the lures of all the different kinds of sins and temptations and wickednesses and everything? They come across your life and they go through the toggle box. Let's try this one. And they throw the lure out there and they try to reel it in and then they cast it out again. And no, no not really anything. No, nope, that one's not really working. That one's not really working. So they change it. Uh, let's try this one. And they cast it out and they like, whoa, 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 there's something. There's something. They cast it out and then, no, not that almost there's something there but they they tried to bite it but nope so they changed let's try this one they cast that one out and bang they catch and they reel it in the big fight now devils don't know everything but they don't eat they don't sleep they don't die they don't rest they're always watching listening observing paying attention and by observation because they don't die they've been around since you were born they know your weaknesses they know your strengths they know what what best tempts you by observation and so when they find something that really really works they will drive that one home best they can and like fishing if you when you catch the fish If you don't keep constant tension on the line, the fish is able to shake out the lure. But if you keep constant tension on the line, you keep reeling it, you pull, reeling in, pull, reeling in. You keep the constant tension, the fish isn't able to get it out. And though they're jumping and thrashing and kicking and all the rest of it, they can't get the lure out. And that's what the devils do. They keep constant tension. They keep it going and going and going and going and it seems like you can't get it out can't get it out can't get it out but but what happens if you catch a fish that doesn't stop fighting they keep splashing and jumping and thrashing and fighting and fighting what happens most times as we see what happens is the lure winds up coming out or winds up sometimes getting ripped out it's it's not it's not pretty it happens but the thing is they they get free it's when you stop fighting sin, stop fighting temptation, is when you get reeled in and you're overcome. But if you keep fighting, and how, how do we fight? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So how do we fight sin and fight temptation? This is where we got to take active steps. Where Jesus gave by examples, he says, "Like if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out." Now, does it mean actually go and rip your eyeballs out of your head? No, that's stupid. That's that's not what he's saying. But he's using this as as a metaphor of something. It is like if something is in your life that you you can't stop giving your giving your your mind to your eyes to, to get rid of it. Sometimes it can be painful, it can be something close to you, something important to you, but if it's dragging you into sin, get rid of it. Thine hand, if they cut it off, thy foot if they cut it off. Get rid of these things. Unsubscribe, delete, remove, throw away, walk away. Have nothing to do with anymore. Change. Sometimes you might need to throw the television out. Taking drastic measures to overcome. You need to fight. Not settle, not bargain, not find loopholes. You need to fight against it, war against these things. And the Lord, the Lord says, says that he will give us the victory. He will help us to overcome. Does that mean that you'll never have sin and temptation in your life ever again? No. They may try to bring along, okay, fine then, let's try a different lure. Let's try a different tactic. Let's let's use the same lure we've been, but let's add some bait to it, to make it more enticing. Of the same lure, but the but the now the, they'll add some. You know, you can buy uh, bottles of this nasty, nasty stuff. This liquid, I don't know what it is. It is nasty, and you can dribble it on the lure, and it stinks, but the fish love it absolutely love it sin is pleasurable for a season but they end there are the ways of death and and they then you cast this lure now that stinks you throw it in the water oh my goodness do the fish just love that it might be that or you add put some worms on it or our guys other bait on the same lure and, and it, it's weird it's almost like that that when there's a sin you're trying to overcome and you're fighting against it and you're you're free from it for a while then all of a sudden it just seems to surface again but now it's it seems different but it's the same thing and it's just so enticing they're using bait now they're putting bait on those on the same lure they're trying to bait you in to do it again do it again do it again you need to fight get rid of it you grab it by the scruff of the neck and the seat of the pants and you just boot it out of the home no I have nothing to do with it. Turn around, walk away. Flee fornication, as the Bible says. Flee youthful lust. Like the Joseph and Potiphar's wife, for example, is he just he got out of his coat and just booked it out of there. Leave stuff behind if need be. Book it out of there. You call yourself a saint, the devils are going to attack you. It's a battlefield and and you go look back at the old battles the way they used to fight they have the armies up here that sometimes a bunch of the enemy soldiers will team up and they'll just target one guy why that guy out of all of the soldiers why that guy it's because he got our attention somehow and so they attack him they really focus on him. they want to beat this one down they want to kill him they want to get rid of him and then they'll move on to someone else why, why me why why am i struggling so much now it seems that like others aren't well first off how do you know they're not you know everybody puts on a brave face in public it doesn't matter what's going on in your life everybody at church is just fine everybody hides their struggles everybody sins everybody struggles everybody has temptations everyone's going through the same thing when people say they're not they're lying when saints say well i don't sin you just did you're a liar now you've been hooked by 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 the fish lure of lying self-deception warning warning do not be deceived you deceived yourself it's like the night i saw a great meme they showed a knight clad head to toe in thick 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 armor just a little visor he's got a sword and shield says, says 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 I'm perfectly shielded nothing can harm me arrow just right in the visor pride it says pride right on the arrow you've just been shot with pride you just sinned by by being full of pride I don't sin I'm perfect like the Pharisee you know Lord I think that I'm not like this man over here who sins in this way I'm perfect Everybody struggles, everybody sins, nobody's perfect. We're sinners, saved by grace. And when, when we finally come to that understanding and, and see that this is what it is, it kind of makes it a little easier. And that there's a weight Uh, is that uh, it's not it's not just me this is just how it is and and when we because there's this false teaching this false notion that when we get born again saved it'll be easy there'll be no problems and it's just a field of daisies walking with Jesus skipping along the beach you know kind of thing and everything's all good and shiny and dandy no that's when the real fight starts the real fight starts and i don't think there's much preaching in the way of how to fight these things you hear a lot of preaching on how we're wicked and how we struggle how we're all sinners and then this is bad this is bad this is bad and you're bad and you're bad and then we're all bad but we don't hear about the fight against about the overcoming rather just just judging 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 and but yet no no reproof of how how to rise up the step righteous man falls seven times and we just focus on the falling the falling the falling but now what about the getting back up how do we get back up well the first way that we understand how to get back up is understanding the lord will never cast us away it doesn't mean you're not saved all because you found that you're in the in the rolling around in the manure eating the slop the pig slop all because you're you find yourself in that's it doesn't mean God has cast you away or he hates you he's angry with you he doesn't like you or that you're not saved when did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father but rather we see the father's on the road longing for his son to return and when he sees him coming he runs and embraces him in all the mud and the manure he didn't change first he hugged him embraced him all the, the uh, hugging him in all the mud in the manure and loves him. And kisses him because he's his child. The devils want you to think, well, your father hates you. He's not going to like this. Oh, look what you've done. You're a horrible person. You should feel so bad. You should be just uh, just bemoan yourself. Just sit down and just cry about it and think that no one likes you. And don't talk to anybody about it. Keep it to yourself and just fall into depression and just lose faith. Stop going to church because well, what does it matter anyways? And all of these kinds of things. That's just devils talking. That's is devil's talking you want you want to know who struggles sometimes the most pastors preachers struggle the most because preachers pastors evangelists <coughs> missionaries Work on the front lines. Gain the most attention from the enemy. Because if you can strike the shepherd, the sheep will flee. If the pastor falls, the church falls. If the pastor falls, if the preacher falls, if the if the, if the one in ministry falls, the, the, whole, the whole work just falls apart. The pastors, the preachers, those in ministry. You see, people don't understand that we're all in the same boat. We're all under attack. Now, I'm not diminishing other people's struggles. I'm saying is, look, those that people even look up to struggle severely too. Look at Apostle Paul oh wretched man that I am he says wretched the least of all Apostles I am but a worm not worthy to be an Apostle I struggle with sin I struggle with this I struggle with this and I can't overcome but what is he going to talk about (coughs) excuse me he talks about the struggles but then okay now yes we're all horrible (laughs) they're all in the same horrible boat together but keep your eyes on Christ though all all everything else betrays you turns against you falls apart and everything else like Job you're sitting in sackcloth and ashes you got nothing left you're scraping the boils Your families turn against you. Your friends turn against you. Your house is gone. It's all gone. You feel you're all alone. It's no use. I can't overcome. It won't stop. (coughs) Excuse me. It won't stop. What do you do? Though you slay me, yet will I trust in him. You look to the faith. When I am weak, then I am strong. When you think that you're strong, you failed. When you think that you can overcome, you failed. You lost it. You think you can keep yourself from sinning? You just lost I can't. It won't happen. While I'm in this flesh, it's going to happen again and again. Now, that doesn't mean, mean it's an excuse. It doesn't make it an excuse. It's just reality. And rather... What i do is i get angry at the flesh and i realize it's a battle it's a battle after battle after battle it's not a winning the war it's a winning battles individual battles uh, don't think about tomorrow think not of yesterday forgetting the things of the past that's done and gone can't be changed can't be undone what's done is done it's done and over forget about it the sins of yesterday forget about it the issues the problems of tomorrow forget about it but uh, take no thought of tomorrow sufficient unto the days of evil thereof one day at a time one thing at a time i focus on one thing at a time i resist the flesh of today i resist the temptations today i look at what i'm doing right now right here right now what i'm doing i focus on this when i learned that it really really helped me i found things that i struggled with started to become seemed to be manageable Sometimes it could be resisted easier. Struggles and these things could be beaten down in the moment. I stopped looking at the, the whole scale and just focused on the here and now. Sometimes it's a tick of the clock. Just one hour at a time. One minute at a time that when it seems that things are getting really bad slow down slow time down and just focus on just the here and now in the moment go do something else change what you're doing fight resist 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 the devil and he will flee you resist the lures and they'll go away and the more you keep doing that you start seeing that things that used used to seem to be unbeatable are now being beaten Something to think about hope that makes sense focus on christ amen uh, say that the devils tell me i have to earn god's favor you have his favor because you have his son you have all his favor there are no it's not a brownie point system the devil's tell me i have to earn god's favor again that's what the devils are saying if i'm sinning god doesn't want to talk to me but that's a lie that's right that's a lie of the devil. It's a lie from from the pit of hell that that god's attention and god's favor is earned it's a lie i have to earn salvation by being perfect that's a lie that's a lie salvation isn't earned salvation is not earned it's not maintained it's not in your hands to keep it's a gift of God by grace through faith. And once you are born again, saved, you have all his favor and it will not be taken away. And he will forgive you. He'll help you. He'll teach you He'll, in all things. He will never cast you away. You're sealed in the hand of the Father. And you're washed clean by the blood. Your name is written down in his book. And I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And any that say that he will are liars, deceivers boasting themselves pretending to be servants of god angels of light but they are nothing but devils in pantsuits don't be deceived don't be deceived you don't have to earn anything that's what god says that's what he says that's what the word of god says and goats wolves and rats will oppose that there you go so that's been an encouragement to you angela god bless you we're all in the same boat together let's so let us uh, so let us start rowing together working together encouraging one another in the faith praying for each other hold the line fight the good fight keep the faith equip yourself be strong that's what the that's what the word says resist the devil and he will flee he will flee amen amen there we go all right so that's it for today all right so with that we'll wrap it up there so thank you so much for joining me, folks god bless you god bless you and uh, keep these things in mind. This is what the Word of God says, what it promises. We see many examples through here and like like Mary that anointed Christ, even if it's just a little thing you can do, do something. Worship the Lord. Unashamed, Romans 1:16, Unashamed. I am not ashamed. And get yourself some tracks. Get out there and say, well, I don't really talk to people, I don't know how to counsel, don't know how to witness. Use these. That's what these are for. Hand them out. Gospel tracks. Get busy. Even if you don't have any tracks and you want to do something, on our website, on our website ChristianCoffeeTime.ca, we have free downloadable gospel tracks. Where if you can't even print them off, guess what? We can help you. We have e-tracks. It's a special one. You download the download the e-tracks and you attach it as a file to an email, and you can you can email the gospel to everybody around so tell you what here's a challenge for you Down, go to our website download the e-tracks and send an email of the gospel to every single person in your email address book why not why not you know one thing i used to do it was, it was really fun it was uh Uh, touch the e-tracks the emails i would go and i find the emails you can find them online that the emails of actors and actresses like for example i sent an e-track to arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) i didn't get a reply uh, but uh, the point is is that it was sent to him why not start sending it to other people and actors and actresses and all kinds of other people Uh, anytime you find an email address send a gospel track to it why not Why not? Do what you can. Hand out the gospel tracks. Get the word of God out there. Witness, evangelize, testify of Christ, worship the Lord, serve the Lord, praise the Lord, unashamed. Doesn't matter who it is, who's around. Doesn't matter if you're surrounded by Judases that are going to get upset. Let them get upset. Let them get upset. Let the heathen rage. Let the people imagine a vain thing. As one of my favorite lines from the movie uh, uh, Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston, uh, the Ramses, he says, "says Let him rave on, so that men shall know him mad." I, I love using that quote to to use against crazy people. If someone wants to get mad at me, <laughs> rave on. People will know you mad, and they will accuse you falsely. Accuse your good works. Let them be ashamed that falsely accuse your good works. Be unashamed. So there you go it's not a waste serving the lord is not a waste spending time on the lord is not wasting time giving what you can to the lord is not wasting uh, of your substance serve the lord in fear and trembling love the lord of the pureness and fullness of your heart fear the lord and depart from evil hold the line fight the good fight keep the faith be strong worry not doubt not fear not fret not be anxious for nothing We sorrow not like those who have no hope. For our hope is nigh. He is ever before us. He holds us in his hands. Rejoice. All hail King Jesus. Amen. So I wrapped it up there. So thanks so much for joining folks. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless. we